2: Clifford Stone spent 22 cheese muffin years in the United States Army as part of an above-top-secret team that was dispatched to crash sites in order to recover alien vehicles, bodies, and artifacts. Until his death he maintained that the United States government has knowledge of intelligent life visiting Earth in vehicles capable of traveling light years of distance at incredible speeds, completely dismantling our understanding of the laws of physics. He claims that the recovery of these vehicles and technology has allowed our government to make enormous scientific gains of great potential benefit to the world and that black projects have continued to keep these important discoveries secret based on motives known only to them. After his retirement from the army, he became an outspoken critic of the secret kept from the public, one he himself was a part of. Join us this week as we talk UFO crash retrieval and alien shenanigans all through the lens of one Clifford Stone. They say... I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area
0: here. you tell these fools, I'm not
1: crazy! This hysteria.
0: You can't handle the truth!
3: truth, brain is
0: gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie! But you won't find it here.
2: They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now.
3: Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to the podcast that doesn't have top secret clearance. But we did love the movie Top Secret. This is Hysteria 51. I'm not the first guy who fell in love with the girl he met in a restaurant who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only to lose her to a childhood lover who she'd last seen on a deserted island, and who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French Underground.
0: I know it. It all sounds like some bad
4: movie. Shout out to Val.
3: <laughs> Broadcasting from the Lower Fourth Dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. My name is John Goforth, and across from me is the incomparable Mr. Brenthand.
4: Thank you, John. And nice, nice reference in the opening. As long time listeners know, we always are up for Val on the pod. Always.
3: Always. I, I will always take a side of Val. Absolutely. <laughs> and speaking of uh it it's sort of somewhat topical. There's a new documentary out of his life. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. I
4: heard it's really good, but I haven't seen it yet
3: uh yeah man it it really is good uh dude took a ton of home movies but the uh the the actual the coolest slash i suppose saddest part of it is that he narrates the whole thing even though he lost his voice a few years ago to throat cancer so uh, the, the way that worked I guess they had so much audio of him that they used AI to essentially create a bot to say, say whatever the heck uh, they wanted for the narration. In fact, he actually wrote the narration, the actual words. So, you know, it kind of felt like it came from him, obviously It, it works really, really well.
4: That's so sad, you know what he's went through because he was he was doing that one man show and getting ready to do on uh, Mark Twain, uh, Citizen Twain, and uh, back in the day. And he got I remember when he got sick and yeah, he yeah. tried to like cover it up, not cover it up, but he he was out of the public eye for a while. And I'm glad that he's not anymore, even though it's got to be hard to and he can't speak properly. Um, well
3: and it's cool and it's cool that i mean we're, we're seeing just the use of technology to to help folks who have been in 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 tough spots
4: yeah it's it's awesome that he's has a way to, to to speak so so to speak
3: are you serious you have me sitting here every day and you get all hot and bothered over a glorified speak and spell
4: yeah no glorified speak no fuck you that was your name in high school and now and, and for fucking ever because that's all you're fucking worth
3: whatever talk to me when their valbot can enact a plan for world domination yeah well uh talk to us when you can add inflection to your voice mr i'm so advanced
2: (laughs) cheese biscuits we're fucking missing something up there what as good as cheese muffins lobster lover forever
4: there it is i I was worried for a second (laughs) i was worried now i'm not anyway so you say the doc is good john is that that what you're saying
3: yeah, yeah. I mean you, you definitely should spend some mm-hmm.
4: time with it. I will definitely give it a shot. But enough shenanigans because we have a returning guest. We're on a little bit of a of a streak here. We got guests galore. It's the great podcast reopening. Yeah, we're having. Yeah, I, we're we're open for business. I'm spreading my proverbial podcast legs for you. Is what I'm getting at, Rob. That welcome back to the show. Mm.
5: <laughs> oh, we hope wow. none of you are having dinner right now. I feel so welcomed right now. Thank you. It has been uh, a I long time,
4: it. man. Uh, I think we were chatting before, and he said it's been like a year since you've been on.
5: Yeah, last time I was on, we were talking about old Ed Walters and Gulf Breeze oh, last year. Man,
4: you always bring us the the. The insert name, and then everyone goes, "Oh yeah, okay." <laughs> like that type. I, 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 this is a fun one uh, because of how I, I always say a fun one. It's either a fun one or a weird one. This is an interesting one, and you
3: brought it to me. You it's like said, a, it's like a, a, you know, a host um, like Conan O'Brien or Jay Leno or whatever. Oh, we got a good show tonight. They say it every night. Just <laughs> tell me the one time you don't have a good show. <laughs> Guys, I got to be honest with you, we, we got kind of a shitty show tonight, um, but but I'm going to get through it. You'll get through it with me. We'll get through it together. Yep.
5: Yeah, exactly.
3: I
4: realized what was happening right before we were actually recording because you actually reached out and said, hey, have you guys covered Clifford Stone? I said, no, we haven't yet. And you go, I want to be on. Let's do it. So, great. And we have talked the last couple of weeks here and there about it. And then today you say all right, I got to get this shit out of my head. I just realized you went down this deep rabbit hole learning about Clifford Stone, realized you don't have anywhere to talk about and You go, I got to get on here. Get it out of my mind.
5: Yeah. Yeah. You guys facilitate that because uh, uh, we're talking about crash retrievals tonight, folks. That's, that's what we're getting into. Crash retrievals. Recovered bodies, recovered craft, the nuts uh, and bolts uh,
4: of the nuts and bolts that they find. Yes, the
5: exactly. Um, government programs to do this mm-hmm. and classifications because Clifford Stone has it all. Clifford Stone kind of reminds me of uh, Tom DeLong when he was on the Joe Rogan experience and he was talking about how he read books for 25 years and he figured out what the truth was, except. Clifford Stone's the next step farther. Clifford Stone is the guy that did the crash retreat.
4: He's the guy that the books are written about. You just don't know him because that is super secret, top secret with 11 code words at the end. That is one of the things he said in one of the things he was talking about. Like, he Write an NDA that you can't even talk about the NDA. And then there's 11 code words at the end of it. One of his code words was Tabasco.
0: Yes,
5: Tabasco.
4: <laughs> when the guy would come, he goes, the general says, you like the Tabasco. He's like, ah, oh, shit, ET. <laughs> He's like, I've been activated.
5: That,
3: that reminds me of uh, when I used to work in the restaurant industry. We had code code words for just about everything from angry customers to attractive customers. Yeah. Uh, attractive customers, by the way, were shredded cheddar. <laughs> um, I, I have no idea why there's no, like, uh, uh there's no euphemism hidden in there, yeah. it, I, but that's what it was. Uh, I, Tabasco, that's just, that goes right along with that. Maybe, maybe, maybe Clifford worked in a restaurant at some point. Maybe so. Maybe.
4: Uh, you know, John, some of our friends back in the day worked at Montgomery Wards and I'll never forget that when a attractive person came in, they would say over the speaker, can I get a price check on a 13 inch admiral? Which they didn't make a 13 inch <laughs> Admiral television. Uh, sadly, though, we were alive at the time when they were selling 13 inch televisions. So you know, <laughs> but that I mean, sadly, like, we were yeah. alive at the time when Montgomery Ward's existed. Yeah,
3: yeah
5: man.
4: <laughs> I remember having to stop at Montgomery Ward's on my way to college because we had had a U-Haul, and my buddy and I we were picking up his his mattress, Mister um, Brandon Rakowski. little shout out there. So, yeah, Uh, you heard a little bit about Clifford Stone before the show, and I'm going to give you a little bit of his backstory before we dive too far into it. Who was this Clifford Stone that's involved for all this crash retrieval? Well, he was a former army sergeant, and we have lots of those out there, but the thing that sent him apart is he had a unique skill set. Like Liam Neeson, huh?
3: Exactly.
4: He was special, and, and some have even reported him as a savant, telepathy. So that's not something that's on everyone's resume. I don't know if you know that or not. That's a resume builder.
3: You forgot the idiot part.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Right. Um, This led him to be what they call an interfacer. Uh, not like a previous episode when the guy was so boring that the tall whites would talk to him because they didn't find him uh, startling. (laughs) Did the
3: Interfacers, I can't remember, did the Interfacers take the side of the Decepticons or the Autobots in the war for
4: Cybertron?
5: Oh, man, that's
3: (laughs) tough.
4: The Interfacers were at war with the Headmasters, if I remember. Oh, that's (laughs) right, that's right. He was tasked, he said, with visiting crash sites, and he was privy to... Pretty much the whole gamut, seeing aliens both dead and alive. He had firefights with aliens and found out that they had no effect on him. And he says that the U.S. is that he says that the world, not just the U.S., has categorized or cataloged at least 57 species, many of them humanoid. And uh, here's a quote. He says, you have individuals that look very much like you and myself that could walk among us and you wouldn't even notice the difference. Uh, That's a hell of a statement.
3: Brent, the yeah. part you forgot to mention was that the species that are not humanoid are all the various uh, species of octopi that are out there.
4: Right, right, which is just a given. That's right. You know, I mean, we you, knew you, that. You dive in a lake, you see some underwater octopus, it's just aliens. Everyone knows that. The Russians mm-hmm. knew that. Everyone knows that. Yep, that's true. I said this earlier, Robbie. You reached out and you asked me if we had covered them, and we're, you said, let's do it. What brought you to be fascinated with them or what made you go down this deep dive? Because I read a couple of the things that you read and they are, <laughs> they're not the most fun reads. Some of these books no. that we do, what no. brought you down the Clifford stone road? So to speak.
5: Clifford stone was a name that I first stumbled upon when I was watching the history channel classic <laughs> Hangar one. It's ah, just, yes. it's so classic. Yes. Um, mm. And Clifford Stone was featured on there a, a few times. He talked about some of his crash retrievals that he was involved in, and, and uh, he actually shot down the Psalm 101 manual, which was great. I, I love that. But I felt like I needed to know more about this man, because this is a man that gets emotional easy on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you.
4: He's like watching Garth Brooks. <laughs> I was watching a comedian talk about him. He'll be like, and then I was <clears throat> and he just starts yes. crying.
5: Oh, yes. Time. Oh, the time he, and like you know these crash retrievals are emotional things you're talking about dead aliens you're talking about uh aliens that are uh, uh afraid and, and and just it it's so all over the place but uh clifford stone is just uh, i like clifford stone for whatever reason i i don't totally like uh, everything about his story but it's just like the the manner in which he presents it and
4: he comes off as that really yeah, nice, yeah, exactly. or uncle, or, something. and I, I'll say this: I watched one of the interviews I watched with him was with Grant Cameron, and they're sitting there talking, and he was talking about one of the, he went to investigate a down B fifty two, and it was in yes. Cambodia, and that was when he got into a, I, I don't want to say a firefight because he was, he was shooting at the aliens that were just standing there walking towards him and had no effect on them, and these were the ones that he referred to as the, you know, your typical grays. They, because of the tele- telepathy that he's, you know, um, able to to be privy to, said, Clifford, you're not supposed to be here. And he, like, got emotional talking about that. He goes, it wasn't because I wasn't supposed to be in that area. It's because I wasn't supposed to be in the Army. You know, yeah. he always says stuff like that. And he gets choked up and he starts to, to cry. And I don't know. I was literally talking to my wife before this. And I go, I think if he's doing that on purpose, it's really smart because it leads a little bit of it. Uh, uh, it gives you that. Obviously, he's telling the truth, right, you know, kind of in the back of your mind, otherwise, this wouldn't right. be happening. right uh, John, do you see stuff like that as deceptive or real or or, or how does that fall in your mind?
3: I don't know i uh, uh, <laughs> um like he yeah, listen, the, the guy obviously has a a way of a tact about him that makes you when he's talking, you're rooting for him to be Oh, uh, gee the truth. whiz type yeah. guy, you know that kind of guy you're-, you're, you're you' are you 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 want to believe him, but the problem is that's. That has nothing to do with the veracity of statements, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's funny. Whenever we enter into these, you know, we're, we're you know, I, I don't know. We probably fall a little closer to the skeptical spectrum than the non-skeptical spectrum. And, um, and, you know, we, we talk about so many of these, uh, these stories and we talk about whether they, well, you know, could it have happened? Did it, you know, is it real? Um, and, and and we do that on much more mundane things. And then we get these stories that come along that are so fan. I had firefights with aliens and they were unaffected by Mm -hmm. my gunfire. And we're like, well, uh, so that happened. And then here's the thing about that story. (laughs) We skip over the part, like, uh, did this thing actually happen or not? Uh, because it's so fanciful. You have to start with a, you you have to come at it from a uh, just to get through the story. You have to. It's mm-hmm. like a yes and, like yeah. a. Uh, uh, you have to go. Okay, so that happened. Right. Now tell me more. Right. Okay, so that happened. Now tell me more. Because I'm still stuck at step one. With wait, mm-hmm. you saw an alien, or wait, <laughs> you you're saying that this 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 part of the government even exists. Right. You know, we, we, wait, we just wait, wait. got Go. <laughs> I'm still stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it, it's just that's the phrase: suspension of disbelief. You have to kind of enter into it with a suspension of disbelief just to get through
4: the story. Yeah, I think that's an important thing. And we're going to have there's going to be a lot more of that. Let's actually run the break real quick so we can start off fresh, because I want to talk about the book and his whole life, his life in the army and alien fender benders, which is really why he's here. (laughs) That's one of the most important things that's coming up after the break on hysteria. Fifty one. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor. And we use it Rosetta Stone. They're the most trusted language learning program and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through.
5: Uh, I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me
4: because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. Is
5: that? <laughs> That's what it, It's like, what are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it.
4: That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home, and you can do it. You got 15 minutes? Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available. For any trips, you need language in life, you need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary, and they're from uh, somewhere else, somewhere. You know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you, If <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer, so it is a steal. So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about.
5: Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off, unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose parker engineering your success
3: you know alien fender benders actually aren't near as bad for your insurance uh your rates don't go up as high as fender benders with other regular cars i just i'm willing to
4: guess now i'm not an insurance adjuster but i'm willing to guess they're going to try to throw that under some act of mm. god which i think you could argue in a court of yeah. law
3: yeah i i agree so it turns out I, I, when i had mine my my rates didn't go up at all i still had to pay the deductible but mm-hmm. you know whatever when you had anyway. your, your run in with aliens yeah 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 the <laughs> alien fender bender i had <laughs> oh, whoops
4: my bad <laughs> uh <laughs> sorry glaxon <laughs> I want to start by commenting on where a lot of at least my info comes from on this. There's a book called Eyes Only, the story of Clifford Stone and UFO crash retrievals. Okay, so bear with me. It's, in a word, to me, Mm -hmm. bad. And I feel bad because there's a great story, and I think Clifford deserves better. I just don't think that this book does him justice. Um i mean i'm seeing that you're agreeing and i'm glad you do because that's just my take oh there's a lot of potential but the editing is like non-existent and there are some really bad issues with like sentence structure and spelling mistakes and i I know that can happen but it really pulled me out when reading yeah it's didn't you feel that way did you did you find uh, that
5: yeah because i i mean the the book is a series of interviews that are conducted by paula harris who is a controversial figure in the ufo world as it is she has lended credence to the stan romanek stuff she Mm -hmm. has recently published Mm -hmm. a book with jacques belay about the trinity crash which is still you know like it's been debunked and it's been Mm -hmm. now it's like oh it's real it's kind of like um the Aztec aztec crash because it's you know uh, it was initially debunked because it, it kind of buried it almost buried the career of frank scully the uh the uh, aztec new mexico crash and then well
4: yeah. right and she's coming off in this one she said these are transcripts yes. written word for word and that's what that's the only thing that i'm putting in this book is the actual things the actual things yes. said Well, you could at least fix the fucking spell. Uh,
5: yeah uh, a <laughs> little editing w- would be great we uh like it doesn't take that much just take the little time no. hire somebody
4: it's worse than dreamland uh, from quote-unquote bob oh Azar, God. or whoever you know the ghostwriter for yeah. that one and that's saying something it's 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 bad yeah, in that way
5: it, it's very it's very bad but um y- yeah just it's basically Powell Harris sitting down for like I want to say like 85% of the book, she conducted like three interviews over the course of mm-hmm. a few years. And then uh, there are some radio interviews that Clifford did where it gives kind of a little more detail about uh, the stuff that he did. And um, you kind of get the same stuff over and over again. really.
4: And the interviews that, that Harris did with him, they were not that long ago. Um, they're not like, this isn't going back way back into the archives. No. Um you know they were in the last few years prior to his death, so yeah, you know it's it is what it is. Um, before we get into it, because the big thing of this book and why we're talking about him is UFO crashes. Why they always be crashing? Right. <laughs> Stone said that he knew of twelve of them. Uh, one of his quotes was, "It's not like it's that often, but for the twenty years that he was in in the military, twenty two years." fucking 12 crashes that you retrieve shit that seems like a lot yeah doesn't it? Uh,
5: and the thing about the crash retrievals thing um, the, the crash retrieval started to become a thing in the late 70s uh, and it started with a guy named Leonard Stringfield uh, Leonard Stringfield published this book mm. at,
4: which is a name that you've heard on here yeah. many times just like every name we're going to find yeah for, uh, he published a
5: book in 77 called Situation Red which was Largely about the year of the humanoid sightings in 1973 and just how strange those sightings were compared to other years uh, and other flaps where it was mostly just, you know, craft scene and, uh, you know, close encounters of the first kind, close encounters of the second
4: kind. We talked about him in like the Pastagula yeah. episode and, and a couple others. Yeah. For sure.
5: And he, in that book, he published uh, three different accounts of crash retrievals. And this became like his career for the almost the last 20 years of his life. And he started to amass this, uh, you know, uh, pile of testimony from different people that came forward and said, yeah, I saw uh, a crashed UFO here. I handled it here. Um, and, and pretty much every single mainstream Crash retrieval story went through Leonard Stringfield first before it became popular. So we're talking about mm-hmm. uh, Roswell. He was one of the first people to talk to uh, Jesse Marcel. Uh, we're talking about Kecksburg. uh in the 80s. He was actually talking to uh, Jim Romansky, the firefighter who allegedly got so close that he saw weird hieroglyphics on it. Um, mm-hmm. The Koyami <laughs> crash. Uh, there's There's a lot of them. Well, actually, I mean, we
3: we all know that was actually German writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. I just want
4: to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Everything German just comes off wrong and scary. It's fine. That's how it works.
5: (laughs) Yeah. But uh, he just documents this for over. Twenty years for for about twenty years, and he put out these things called crash retrieval status reports. Mm-hmm. He'd come out with them every so often. If you honestly want to mm-hmm. listen to them, I don't recommend it because I listen to every single freaking one of these things, <laughs> uh, and like it's just the, the basic you know testimony of this person, this person, this person, this person. And and the thing about Leonard Stringfield is that uh, he would take testimony from anybody. It didn't matter firsthand, secondhand, thirdhand. He'd take it from everybody.
4: It it's interesting how they people call themselves archivists a lot, and they'll take all that information because they don't do any vetting because they just want to get it. But then how? But then that unfortunately becomes just accepted. Yeah. You, so and that's so Rob, issue.
5: those of us that
3: are uninitiated, what's the tie between Stringfield and Stone?
4: So
5: the, the crash retrieval kind of took on a life of its own after Leonard Stringfield and Stan Friedman and Bill Moore. Kevin Randall. Uh-huh. All these people started to look into different uh, crash retrievals. Most of them looked into the Roswell incident, but uh, Clifford Stone ends up getting involved in this in the nineties. And and one of the first inklings of Clifford Stone is in Leonard Stringfield's Status Report Update Seven. So in it, he talks about you know having a conversation with Clifford Stone. And it's it contains none of the stuff that is in Eyes Only. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he had just gotten out of the uh, the army by that time. It was it was published in 1994, so he had he just got
4: 90. I think, yeah. yeah. So it
5: was like four years. Yeah, and one the the only piece of information that we get from this uh, status report is that Clifford Stone claims that when he was 14 or 15 years old, he had some uh, a friend who was working at a base in Pennsylvania because Clifford Stone grew up uh, around in, in Pennsylvania and they allegedly handled the Kecksburg object. And his friend basically took him to the military uh, base and showed him the the object. He's like, oh, I'll take corn shaped all this stuff. And And by the time that, that uh clifford stone came out with this like this was you know known it had appeared on unsolved mysteries by that time they pretty much knew you know what the shape of this Mm -hmm. object was but
3: clifford so it was i mean it was like the wienermobile it's in town everybody can come yeah exactly (laughs) exactly john you gotta stop calling your car the wienermobile
5: yeah i sure i'm sure you get like hot dogs thrown at you all the time yeah
3: <laughs> now he's he's wrong it's the shagging wagon oh that's right yeah yeah Oh, <laughs> uh,
5: yeah
4: Color me surprised. Hey, so,
3: so wait. Uh, the other thing I'm not clear on, Brent. You said that he saw, tw- or that he was a part of twelve retrievals. So that's
4: that's when he was in the military. That he he was part of retrievals of other things. But yeah, his the number he says is he was a part of twelve retrievals of data. During what route.
3: time period? Like how long? Like, so uh, he was he, in the military. He, he
4: got out in 1990, and he was in the military for 22 years. Yeah. So he went tw- out in okay. the late 60s, and he got out in 90. Yep. Uh, he had originally tried to get into the air force. And he couldn't get in for a medical reasoning.
3: I mean, 12, 12 crashed vehicles. Are we like the Bermuda Triangle of the Milky yes. Way? Yes. I mean,
5: what is happening yeah, here? Um, we're
3: special.
4: We're very special.
5: If I recall correctly, uh, when Leonard Stringfield broke down all of the stuff that, that people are coming forward and saying, like, he was saying that there were seven crashes in 1952 and eight crashes in 1953. And (laughs) and this stuff, I was like, why are UFOs crashing all the freaking time? It just...
4: I've heard all these crazy things that, like, when we started turning on radar, or when we turned on this, or when Betty got her new microwave, it was fucking with whatever their low-speed propulsion system. Everyone's got a reasoning. Yeah. And they were just coming down left and right. Yeah. It's almost like the, the... the lion somehow learned how to, you know, make the, the lion tamer sick. You know what I mean? Somehow, like, and everyone gets sick and they don't understand why. These, I just, they've mastered intergalactic travel. Um, but, but dealing with radar waves, woo, buddy. They had never thought about that. The, the, the thing about Stone, I, I think he was kind of brought that's so he came in in the 90s, like, like Rob said, he was kind of brought to the attention of a lot of the, and I'm going to use air quotes here, new UFO enthusiasts after the, Wasn't it the 2001 when they did the National Press Club meeting? Yes, yeah. And that was the infamous one that we've talked about on here by Dr. Greer. Stone spoke of his secret clearance, and a clearance that allowed him to be a part of said crash recovery and um, crashes that had bodies both dead and alive of alien entities. That was the big (gasps) moment, and he was like, I am ready to tell Congress you can subpoena me. And that was when uh, he kind of was blasted onto the scene rob how important in ufology is that national press club meeting
5: i think it it put a lot of you know faces out there uh definitely like uh like it it signal boosted things like the Rendlesham incident because charles halt was you know all over that and um honestly i think that press conference is responsible for Leslie Kane's book, you know, UFOs, you know, all those people go on the record. Like if it wasn't for that event, we wouldn't have like the current discussion around disclosure that we do now. And I mean, there was another one, you know, like a decade later that was, you know, just as popular, but like, this is definitely something that has set the course for uh, the conversation within UFO circles. Now,
4: I agree. And I think that when it happened, I think we were at a time. It was a simpler time then. I hate to say that, but I think a lot of people were ready to hear things like that. And then what happened was you then get down to the um, nuts and bolts of of really bringing in these people, especially Greer. I'm going to say Greer because he was kind of his baby. Mm -hmm. And then you see how far out there. some of these people and 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 stories are yeah. i guess is-
3: right on the surface on the so on the surface like wh- i i remember when i first learned about that thing and uh, uh, you know you read about it and you're like oh retired general this and retired this and like oh cool mm-hmm. and then and then you read a little bit more about what they've said in their background and you're like oh that's a li- when you give me more context it makes me like this less we just
4: had martin keller on you know talking about the national press club and greer he was greer's PR guy and yeah you know I asked him I said you know what the fuck is with Greer and he's like "Ah, man yeah he used to be great and he's a great guy he's also a fucking loon and that is not a quote that is just (laughs) a he uh, said he said he's he's his own worst enemy right or something like (laughs) that yeah 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 he said uh, he goes everyone's got warts some people's warts are just wartier than others he's got a lot of warts
5: He's the his were the wordiest, yeah, wordiest. the, wordiest of, the wordiest of fucking words. Wow,
4: <laughs> I was just like, that's all. I really like that quote. I need to, to somehow work it into more.
3: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, into your macrame.
4: You started. At, you started talking about his background. He started as a kid. Um, you know what was? Wait, you mean childhood? he started
5: as a kid, like most kids do? I mean, you know,
4: <laughs> he's st- well, he started as a, a full grown adult in a <laughs> in a three piece suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His his full soiree into the UFO started as a kid, as opposed to just going in the military and then they're like, now you're going to work on these things. Yes. Um. So you're talking about Kexberg. What was his childhood like? Was there any? Was it crazy or or before like the army time?
5: Oh, he was an experiencer from the start uh and, and there are stories in that book uh, uh about how uh th- th- there was one christmas eve in which uh his parents had gone out for the night or something like that and he talked about how he had this quote-unquote stepsister who came into his
4: room you know not to <laughs> mention. Sure- oh man i just <laughs> downloaded one of these stories
5: yeah. <laughs> and and the stepsister (laughs) instead of wishing him a merry christmas wanted to say hey you want to come see santa claus so she takes him outside (laughs) and she sees this guy they see this guy who's kind of parading around but like he's not dressed as santa he's dressed in what he calls a business suit and he says that he is made of dirt Mm -hmm. Um, I, i don't really know how to process that fully but um you know uh clifford watched it for a while and then he got this message uh or he got this thought in his head like i need to go to bed now so
4: he goes to bed and and that's the thing that's a uh, uh one of the the frequent things that we're gonna run into is these thoughts come into his head like they're telling him things or he can pick up those things
5: yes exactly and uh it was it was just weird after that he
4: he um He goes to school, man, Santa Claus fucking sucks. Yeah, (laughs) but that that red suits full of shit, man.
5: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he was talking to his cousins and a friend about this. uh, I think it was at school or, uh, you know, just hanging out outside one day. And uh, all of a sudden he says he hears like what what sounds like a locomotive or something like that. And they look up and there's three UFOs in the sky. And I'm like, hmm, okay. Whatever.
4: Uh, Those ones show to make sound, but other times they don't make any sounds. So yeah, that's a fun one.
5: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, well, they're like
3: they're they What you don't know is that they're like mockingbirds, don't. right? So yeah. they, they hear they hear another sound, yeah. and Sorry. they heard a train, <laughs> and uh, they're like, "Ooh, well, let's let's emulate that." That that's how UFOs. Uh,
4: well we also know prelapped. that Bigfoot is that way from that documentary you all watched Harry and the Hendersons where he could emulate the oh, sound yeah, that's of true. the, the that's true. alarm or the fire the police and everything it all comes together yes. which yeah I think we're I think we're really unlocking something here kids oh yeah oh yeah um, <laughs> he joins the army in 69 he talked about this a little bit too he wanted to be in the Air Force and he had medical issues that wouldn't let him in and he went in and in and in he wanted to go into like the finally he meets someone and they like kick the doctor out and they're like, do you want to get in the army? He's like, I want to be in the air force. They're like we'll lay in the army. He's like, Well, <laughs> I want to be a warrant officer. Cause the warrant officers can fly. And they're like, you can't fucking fly. You want to be in the army? And he's like, okay. And that's something that he says that really came to bite him in the ass because when he goes in, then they, they immediately are going to sign him up uh, pretty quick to do this cr- crash retrieval stuff. And they're like, you have two choices. You can join us and do this, or you can go on about your business and not. But you signed up into the Air Force, and then you ended up going in the Army. So that's kind of like going AWOL, and we're going to put you in military prison. Yeah, like, what? That's what he says. Yeah. So he had to join them. I'm kind of paraphrasing that, if I'm remembering it right. Isn't that what he said? Yeah, pretty, those
5: lines? pretty much. And, like, the, the funny thing is, it's like, they throw men, like, head first, like, Right out the the gate, so uh he talks about this uh incident in uh, Indian Town Gap. Uh, I think it's the place in Pennsylvania. Yep. And he talks about how he has this Geiger counter and they're 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 doing a training exercise. Only it's not a training. Oh, exercise. real quick, so
4: we, so everyone can understand. So his background is in nuclear uh, like retrieval. So if there is an incident that could have nuclear materials, he goes in, they test, they, they can be the, the crew that cleans it up. He's a cleanup crew. That's important. That's why they use him for these things. Sorry. Go ahead.
5: Yeah. No. Uh, and, uh, you know he's a uh, he's approaching this strange object uh, that he's assuming I think is like a bomb in the ground or something like that. He's got his Geiger counter. He gets closer and he realizes, nope, that's a UFO. And look at that, there's an alien body hanging out the <laughs> the side of the dang thing.
4: They they fall out of these things a lot.
5: They man. do fall out a <laughs> lot. They're, like they're hanging half in, half out of this thing all the damn time. It's a problem. I would get that door fixed. <laughs>
4: Yeah they they've got that whole get there down the whole stopping without falling out is another issue.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it it turns out that seatbelts are um are important no matter how you're traveling right. whether it be domestically, internationally or inter- intergalactically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's
4: why in the other documentary Independence Day. They had to put those uh, racing seats with harnesses in. They them. put the racing
3: seats
5: inside of the, uh, the
3: oh,
4: inside of the, the UFO. the yeah. doing nothing in there. That's why they're all dying.
1: <laughs>
5: yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Also important uh, for intergalactic travel. Uh, AAA always that's, always it. Right.
4: <laughs>
5: that's a good point. A, I mean, what if you run out of gas? Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's got to be somebody you know that can help. Uh, you out. Do
4: you guys have ninety three? Or element 115. <laughs> I need the un-un-pentium. Yes, that's right. Goes about all these things. That was the whole, the gimmick. Or not the gimmick, the, the reasoning. The, when I say gimmick of why they brought him in, they could do that because he had this, this skill other than the whole telepathy thing. Um, I, I told you when they shook him down, he said he didn't know if he wanted to go back into the military because they were going to make him re-sign up and he didn't know if he wanted a career, so they did the whole... Um, shakedown thing and he ends up signing up and for a longer And up uh, his role was how he described as an incident happens and he would get a call or a visit and the, it's you go no matter the situation no matter what you're doing you go like
3: you, you could be at your daughter actually call him i mean if he was telepathic he could have just picked up the vibes well or that's
4: more easily done when the aliens are doing and not the people that are going to go pick up the oh dead aliens.
3: got it
1: got then it, they okay. give
4: him the code word you know, and they're like, "Hey, uh, Johnny Johnny General says Tabasco," and he's like, "All mm-hmm. right," and he says that he had a BA fifty bag, which is actually a a um, it's a bug out bag. Yeah. They, he's got all his shit that he needs. That's a uh, uh, Air Force term, but they said in the Army they used them too. And uh, ready at all times, a vehicle would come get him and take him to a staging area. And then he said they always had two teams anytime they were going out, A and B. And there was never more than 30 people tops in the whole thing. And he said that hey, well, the difference between A and B is they're the exact same team. It's just who's closer. They put an A the, team uh, together
3: and a B team together. I'm um, back to the ready bag, the, mm-hmm. the, the BA50. Um, man, I, I really want – So I, I, I already bought you know, kind of my own bug out bag. But next, what I want to do, I can, like, justify that, right? I can say to my wife, hey, I mean, just what if the power grid goes it's down? It's for our safety. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's it doesn't have to be the zombie apocalypse. But now what I've heard about are these bags that pen testers always have with them. And it's all things like being able to, uh, you know, unlock a double door from, like, a gymnasium and see around a corner, like, all the spy shit. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can justify well, Do they that,
4: sell, like, the how? whole kit?
3: No, I, I mean, I think you have to go buy the pieces oh, individually, kind of like know, we did for a our bug out bags. had by Thursday.
4: Thank God. Okay. <laughs> John knows but, that I we mean, see there's something all... like that. He's like, that's going to be at your house tomorrow. I'm like, it's going to be at my house tomorrow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's
3: obviously... No, I'll say that'll be at your house next week. And you'll say, no, I, it'll probably be here tomorrow.
4: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Amazon, if it's on there. Yeah. It's Prime! <laughs> yeah. So he says a vehicle come get them. they go like I said they go to this place and then the the, the whole a team is a team had to be within like a two hour radius of wherever it was gonna be and then they'd fly them wherever they flow commercial sometimes sometimes not um the other thing he said is when they'd go to these things like you get rid of everything even your dog tags so yep. no one you you you're completely you don't have any insignias any anything on they fly you in and and you get to work um what else am I forgetting in the whole uh, how he was brought in and shit story?
5: Uh, that's, that's pretty accurate. I think my favorite uh, story of, of travel is... Uh, when they were being dispatched to uh, Vietnam and they ended up mm-hmm. having to refuel, I think in like Oakland or something like that. And uh, yeah,
4: the this is an Oakland or bet my ass that one or whatever.
5: Yeah. And then <laughs> their CEO basically pulls a gun and says, get back in the plane. You didn't see anything. <laughs> yeah.
4: Like- he says, one of them says, like, I bet my ass or you can kiss my ass if this is Oakland or something like that. Yeah. And he literally, John said that they pulled a gun and it was like the next person that talks dies yep <laughs> it's like okay um i gotta go to the bathroom is it a hand single what are we like gonna- what's the
3: what's the inference there that they had really landed in guam or something yes like, what, I they, it,
5: they had ended up i think when this one they ended up landing in cambodia that,
4: that cambodia was, on that one yep, yep. absolutely yep that was the the B fifty two story. Um, yeah, it's. I think it was it was weird too because he said everything was compartmentalized. Even though you're going and everyone here is going to or will see aliens, he said. The other thing too is sometimes there weren't people like. Okay, so he goes and does this all the time. All right, they would bring in other personnel that had never done it. He goes, they never briefed them. They just debriefed them. Yeah. And so these people have fucking panic attacks and shit, and you can't talk to them beforehand and be like, Hey man, you're gonna see some fucking shit. Uh instead, they just go around the corner expecting to pick up, you know, a bad guy and all of a sudden there's a gleep glock draining his pus sack. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, well
2: Surprise Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that people really don't eat bullets at that time sometimes, which just like from the shock. Yeah. You know, if that's true. Uh, why 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 the secrecy like that what do you guys think why why is that
5: i can't even wrap my head around it to be honest with you because
3: i don't think i don't i don't believe no. it i like I, this is a detail that he's providing i don't think but that i know al- so- i've also
4: heard in other cases with military not that shit that that's you don't talk and you don't do this And I, 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 there's probably some reasoning for it. I don't think that they don't brief a professional group of people that are
3: going in to take care of a situation. I believe that they compartmentalize things. And if it's like engineers working on like, you know, Bob Lazar's story, you know, and and maybe if you were just working on propulsion, you didn't know anything else about, uh, about the UFO, like compartmentalization makes sense to me. But I don't think if you are the, you are the A team, you were literally the folks that they send in when shit goes wrong and it crashes
4: they're not going to brief you that ahead of you, time. I said that wrong. They were briefed. Extra personnel as needed. Bodies on the ground, grunts weren't briefed. Mm-hmm. The A-team still knows what they're doing. The A-B team, whoever, they were both the same, just how, how quickly they're going to get there. Um, They were briefed. They knew where they were going. Now, they might tell them you're going for a B-52 when it's really uh, something else or whatever, but um, they knew that they were going in for something. He knew when he was brought in that it was uh, extraterrestrial in origin or thought to be. It's just when they needed perimeter people or someone to go in and stuff they might just pull them out of right patterson or wherever some grunt or some mp and they didn't are the ones but even but even the ab team though he says when they were flying when you're with the 18 guys you're not allowed to talk to one another
3: right which is weird to me one thing that i do find interesting about the these stories of clifford stones and then some of the other stories that that we might have called out is less than um or maybe a little bit little little questionable along the way. Uh that, you know uh, that that all have a similar feel to them. Many of them the details that are provided by the person feel wrong. They just don't feel like Like, like there are certain details when you find out about something that they did 50 years ago and it just gets unclassified. It's like you find out the details and you're like, oh, well, I I mean, I understand why they did it that way. That's that's fucking terrible. But I understand why they did it that way. Like, you know, it it kind of like it tracks it either. It might not make it might not meet your moral or ethical boundaries, but it tracks the stories. Like my bullshit meter goes off when they don't track at all, Mm. when it just it just it doesn't align with like. How you you could even efficiently do these things. Yeah. And and that's one of the that's one of the through lines I've noticed through all of these stories and in, in these storytellers that seem to be perhaps less than authentic.
4: Yeah. Bold statement there, Cotton. <laughs>
3: yeah. I know, I know. I'm really going out on a limb there. You know
4: what? That, that's a that's a good time. Let's go to break one more time. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about Roswell. We're gonna talk about Corona, mm-hmm. his alien visitor. And uh, where's the proof? We're going to try to answer that. It's not going to get done, but we're going to (laughs) try after the break on Hysteria 51. Now, I told you guys before we went to break that we were going to talk Roswell. Well, Guess what?
3: No, before we went to break, you told us that we were going to talk about Corona. Well, so I, what, Roswell,
4: in- Corona—they're corona? connected. It's the Official billiard of Roswell. Yep. See what I did there? Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. So, are you saying aliens are are the actual reason for COVID nineteen? Yes,
4: mm-hmm. that was okay. that's a given. I thought that we already figured that. You know what? Pay attention, John. Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> um,
4: get with i think they learned from the
5: mistakes of war of the worlds you know i think they i think they picked it up i think they found it an interesting read and they're like wow we really messed up at the end there let's get this right this time let's (laughs) give
4: them the virus they're on COVID 94 they're just they're on we're
3: gonna do this with the slow burn
4: (laughs) (laughs) so when he comes back to America after gallivanting and all this shit, he's going to be, I say come back to America, but you know what I mean, when he's going to be reassigned, he gets assigned to none other than Roswell, Arizona.
5: He kind of just relocated to Roswell. Like, that's that, where... That's
4: kind of... He thought that they were putting him there for a reason. Yeah. It was kind of his, his whole thing. Um, Pretty much. Yeah, there's not a, t- a lot to it other than um, he goes, he'll goes. he go in when he talks about it, Um you know how Roswell was a cover up yeah. And Major Jesse Marcel was used As a puppet and he can tell in those Pictures how you know he's he's not actually Smiling or laughing it's it's like him Just choking back his anger right you know Things like that and he thought that he Was put there maybe to like because they wanted him to try To get to the bottom of things I don't know uh, He's he always talks About his time in Roswell but he kind of glances Over it in, in interviews And I never really understood like Why he thought that was such a big deal Right. At the end of the day, this guy was a a serious military personnel. He did a lot. He was in Vietnam. You know, you can't take away what he did. It's the intangibles, the things he claims that we can't really put too to fine a point on it. Like Corona, his right. alien visitor. Spelled with a K. Spelled yeah. with a K. You're right. So tell us about, uh, you know, having a best friend with a K for a Corona name.
5: Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's the best thing. And Corona <laughs> insisted that you spell it with a K. Um, basically, from childhood, Clifford Stone claimed to see these invisible friends that, you know, it's like every kid who has imaginary friends only you know they're carrying on conversations and stuff like that but Corona was kind of always there to uh, basically reassure him and be there for Clifford stone through all of this stuff and there's there's this incident uh, when he's a kid he had just moved to this like cottage or something like that he was playing with some friends out back and out back of their house they have this like there's this like huge rock up on a on like a cliff or something like that And uh, it's like 200 feet up and they see these weird dancing people. They first they hear music, but they see these people in white coveralls, you know, just like dancing around on top of this rock. And they get freaked out. And Clifford Stone runs into his house and he hides behind the stove. And he says Mm -hmm. he's there for a couple minutes before he feels this bony hand on his head. Uh, Just like, you know, going up and down his head. And, uh, you know, he took that to mean that the aliens always know where he is and stuff like that. Yeah, he can't get away.
4: It's like Billy Meyer. He had his own alien that was like okay this is yeah. what's going on you know and then um now we all know that billy meyer now has been proven to be 100 <laughs> oh yeah um, yeah and uh are you just are you shilling, for michael, horn now? Are you shilling for- <laughs> michael horn thank you thank you michael horn who uh when we were going to speak at alien con who didn't even know us but he was going to speak at like waltz deli on aliens the same <laughs> night somewhere because he wasn't invited it was like fuck these goddamn Pieces of shit, and he was like cursing us and stuff and that's one of my claims to fame uh yeah i love it michael horn uh billy his, his handler <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes the handler uh the, the one that i think actually i don't know if he wrote the billy meyer story the the book that came out or if he just published it or whatever but uh yeah just like
4: He's ringing it for every fucking coin he can get out of it. I'll I mean
5: Grifter's much. got a grift, man. There's there's plenty of grifters. And I think that's what separates Clifford Stone from everybody else. Is Clifford's not necessarily trying to grift anybody? Uh it's it's unclear why he believes the stuff that he believes or says the stuff that he says. You know, uh the the thing is, is like Did you guys know that did you guys
3: know that uh Billy Meyer and Billy Mays are actually the same person? I holy shit. Holy God. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it's kind Billy of Meyer, th- you it off when, when you, when you <laughs> used to see when you used to see Billy, Billy Mays on TV, he wasn't missing an arm. And, you know, Billy Meyer never talked about OxyClean, but I just trust me. On I always don't felt look it like up. It's just true. Billy,
4: uh, Billy Mays was a retri- retired assassin. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Traveled space. It was the time. beard. It was the beard, man. That was that was an assassin's beard. My favorite thing I ever saw at the Comic-Con one time was. When they were doing Darkest Night, when the Green Lantern universe, the Black Lanterns were like zombies, yeah, of like the most powerful people that had died, and Billy, Billy Mitchell, or I'm sorry, uh, oh, Billy Mays, guy? Billy Mays, thank you, Billy Mays had just died, and someone was Black Lantern. Billy with the and he had the oxy and they printed it so it was black i'm like this is fucking awesome That's that amazing. Was, uh, i just i fucking loved it
5: i i always found it suspicious uh during some of those infomercials why billy mays had one arm completely covered in tinfoil and he was holding a fake laser gun i mean
4: i could I, it was so easy weird. to open the top <laughs> I'm,
5: <laughs> I'm glad
3: i could connect the dots for you guys man uh conspiracies blown wide open fuck your robot hate
4: <laughs> i know right? it was just the <laughs> arm that was robotic that's that's the difference
3: so uh rob back to uh his best friend corona so i i want to make sure i understand this um if you can't tell i didn't read the book <laughs> um uh, so corona it was was the friend from back then that stayed like was the oh, him yeah. throughout his corona life corona always seemed to kind of pop up so he was like dro- he was like he was like Drop Dead Fred. Essentially. Exactly. Is that, is that what Drop Dead Fred was based uh, on?
5: You know what? Uh, I think we're busting it wide open here. I think we've got this. Mm-hmm. We got it nailed. <laughs> uh, good work. Go forth. You definitely got it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh,
4: See, that's why they had Princess Leia and Drop Dead Fred. They wanted it. it was like a wink wink. You guys need to know this is alien. <laughs> right.
3: See, they put the breadcrumbs as long as you're willing to follow right. them. So
5: like uh, with Clifford Stone, uh, there is this like uh, secret world within the real world, uh, especially when you get down into like the, the the folks that were doing you know investigations into UFOs, Project Blue Book and stuff like that. You know, alongside Project Blue Book, there are these other folks that are investigating UFOs, and this goes back, according to Clifford Stone. To World War II and to something called the Interplanetary Phenomena Research Unit, which was a unit put together by MacArthur and uh, James Doolittle, who uh, was, uh, I do believe Doolittle actually looked into the Foo Fighter stuff back in the day, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know exactly how deeply he researched it, but Eventually, this leads into like uh, a more legit secret, uh, uh, emphasize the secret, you know, UFO research. And eventually what happens is, uh, according to Clifford Stone, there is a unit called the 4602nd Air Intelligence Service Squad that was originally in World War Two. It uh their mission was uh, field exploitation of down enemy aircraft and personnel and the exploitation of enemy documents. So like, you know, people uh,
4: which feels right, yes. feels real.
5: Yes, that does feel real. And then he goes on to say that they did have a peacetime mission. They were reactivated in 1953. And what were they here to do? They were here to recover UFOs. Of course, they yeah. were.
4: Yeah, he says when he went in, the, the, the whole reason he signed up was, or not, I'm sorry, not signed up, but the reason he was, he finally said, I'll do this is they're like, we are going to give disclosure. Yeah. Do you want to be a part of this? He goes, well, then I find out the disclosure was the Condon report. <laughs> uh, so not exactly what he thought it was going to be, but that's how they like spoofed him into it. It was, uh, we're going to give this to you. Um, and it didn't work out that way. No,
5: it did not work out.
4: That but. Way. He was a sneaky fuck, I'm going to tell you this, because he claims it in 73 when he was involved in the retrieval of a crashed extraterrestrial craft. He took a little piece of it, and he put it in his boot, and he buried it near his home in New Mexico after leaving the, the Air Force, so he's got that whole Bob Lazar, I got a little piece mm-hmm. uh, somewhere that I'm not going to actually show anybody, right. and you right. can't prove it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. because of reasons and uh, Corona. I mean, it's Corona. It's, just say that, guys. Corona, it's fine.
5: Story's got a story, man. Story's got a story. That's just mm. the way it is. With uh,
4: he, and the other thing that he always stressed too, he goes, "We can learn so much from them, but they can learn so much from yeah. us." And that's why there's so many abductions. Why, then, gentlemen, would an intergalactic species do things in this manner? We we go and look at other species all the time, and sometimes it could be dangerous yes but we also take precautions and then they're crashing left and right what is so important here that they would be willing to to do that and what then also why aren't they just coming in and saying hey we exist why the secrecy
5: i i can't really answer that i can't come up with a good concrete answer because like the, the linear path that ufos take from 1947 till you get to like the first abduction accounts is very weird and strange and uh like the ufo phenomenon starts out really tame in 47 uh, with with all of its stuff going on excluding roswell because like roswell was you know shoved under the rug for about 30 years so to me it doesn't even exist in 47 except for the few people in roswell that you know had the paper and a few other you know newscasts that got out i remember uh i think it was bill moore talked about how he was reading the bio- the autobiography of an actor and they were talking about how they were just driving cross-country and they heard the story uh, essentially essentially roswell uh on the east coast on the radio somewhere but like Evolving into the contactee stuff and then into the abduction stuff. It's just there's a strange linear path that seems like it's almost kind of like planned out in a way, which kind of either lends itself to the fact that there are aliens that are controlling everything, or there are intelligence groups that are you know uh, kind of shaping this to be what? whatever they you want. don't
4: think that they would lie to us for their own. How many times have you brought name?
5: up Richard Doty on this damn podcast?
4: <laughs> Richard Doty's a saint. I'll tell you that right now. I actually had said something to another show recently. that, um, I mean, it was about a year ago. They were having him on and I'm like, why? Right. They're like, he's amazing. And I'm like, are you dumb? Right. Yeah. I guess so. If that's really what you're now, if it would have been tongue in cheek, but it wasn't right. And it's not now he's just doing the rounds again
5: there. Yeah. Um, there were, there have been researchers that I've talked to that were, um, talking to Rick Doty and they kind of gave him a free pass because, oh, well, Paul Benowitz, you know, he, he made those decisions like Paul Benowitz wasn't, you know, well mentally. So no. And
4: he did his civic duty as he called the fucking military right. and said, I think something's wrong. Right.
5: I think, well, I think like aliens or some crap are doing duty, their thing. Just said that. Yeah like in and, and what do you do you you string the guy along you give him fake radio equipment uh, that he says you know detects uh alien signals and stuff like that and and it's just like it, it's all very the, this linear path is very strange until you get to the 80s and it's like hey it's disinfo city but like abductions are huge it it just yeah it, it, clifford doesn't really go into the whole abduction stuff he doesn't so uh,
3: well, let's, let's, let's hit that, Rob, uh, what, what when, you, when you, you know, obviously through the, the things that you've, you've said today, uh, it, it, strikes me that, you know, you, you said you wanted to unload, you wanted to get this off out of your, out of your mm-hmm. gray matter. Um, but it also strikes me that you don't necessarily believe what Mr. Stone has to say. Um, uh, and, and so my, my question is what was compelling enough for you to go down the rabbit hole? What, uh, why, why are we here?
5: I am the kind of person that will always try to give people a welcoming space to tell their stories because I've got so many fucking weird ass stories that uh, I'm, I'm doing an an episode about for our strange guys coming up uh, probably later in September. Um, I don't know how to, you know, categorize these things or if they actually really happen. So mm-hmm. I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt, like right up front, it, it, at least in the terms of allowing them a space to tell their story and actually listening to their story. So I think for Clifford, it was the fact that he came with the uh, came forward with this it, it through a lens of someone who just seemed like he was trying to be empathetic in in a way, and someone who wasn't openly trying to grift people out
4: of money yeah he was kind of just telling the story yeah. and getting emotional while doing yeah. it and i think that was a powerful thing for a lot of i
5: people. i think it absolutely was and it's just it's the same stories over again sometimes they're embellished a little bit more uh but like i you know you you kind of connect with him a little bit more than you know say your are cory goods and, and your. um you know
4: that's hero core oh uh,
5: yeah name. sorry the 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 hero himself <laughs> i like i like randy kramer better anyway uh yeah yeah
4: yeah he's definitely up there as I like anyone who's who's just been in the thick of things and came back to tell me about i
5: it. like anybody who could say that they fought in an army on mars and came back and didn't age a day fought in this well, army for 20 uh, years
4: hey when uh who was it that gave him his uh um Donald Rumsfeld, yes, <laughs> when they de aged him or whatever <laughs> it was, <laughs> and he's like, Thank you for your service, son. That just rings true to me for some reason. It
5: does, it sounds like something <laughs> Rumsfeld would
4: say, uh, but. John and those at home that don't know what we're talking about, uh, he says that he was on a war on Mars. He was on Mars, like 20 years doing a war. Yes. They send people there. Then they come back and they de-age you. I think it was de-aging, right? Or he doesn't. Uh, he just said
5: it. that he didn't age. Like, uh, it, it was almost like no time had passed. He had gone yeah, back into his childhood they use it, And
4: then when he comes back, he's got 20 years of memory and life experience, and he's still the same age. Right. So he comes forward and he's like, I've been on Mars. Right. And Donald Rumsfeld gave me a medal. Oh, yeah. You know how you know how if you like get in your get
3: in a plane and and go across the international date line, you can actually get younger in the right. same day. Yeah, it's like that. Only going right. to Mars. Um, yeah, there's there's just you know just trust. It's me an on intricate that. system. Uh, of uh, it's two wires.
4: You wouldn't understand. It's it.
3: exactly right. That's exactly right. And 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 various intergalactic um um uh, lines of demarcation. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of ins and outs. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll just leave it there. Here's the
4: problem, Clifford feels so sweet. He feels so nice.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay, so but but that brings me to my yeah. question, Rob. You, Rob, you 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 gave him the benefit of the doubt, and you went down the rabbit hole. And the only thing you wanted to do now is <laughs> is expunge said experience from your brain. Did you come out the other end going, well, I gave him the benefit of the doubt,
5: but I'm out? Or where where did you land? I kind of landed in the spot where I'm indulging an old man, his stories, they can exist in the sphere, but I'm glad it's out of my brain space now. So I can focus on other things and I don't have to, you know, be emotionally connected to a man who said that he helped in an alien escape in Virginia by cutting a hole in a fence and uh, allowing him to be picked up by a UFO like the suspension of disbelief is huge, right? Right up. It's the like gate. it's
4: like his whole wor- like that's like was part of Paul. Yeah, you know they pulled out of the Clifford Stone story and all this stuff when they were putting that together. Mm-hmm. You know it, it, they took so much out of the, the UFO playbooks of things like that. I think that the reason that people latched onto him is, like you said, he uh, didn't. He wasn't trying to sell you something per se, especially off the bat. I know there's the book, but. Um, that was more because people wanted to put it together for him, right. you know, and he was just out there going, Oh gee, golly gosh, this happened. And here it is. And he'd, he'd start crying and he, you'd feel for him and maybe he needed the attention, but he had a family. This guy wasn't sitting at home lonely, no, you know, like some people, um, and he wasn't, you know, uh, Bill Cooper going fucking ape shit out there and trying to start a revolution. Right he falls into a weird side of it there is
5: one i i think incident that really and i mean clifford started talking to people before this you know he was talking about how he's putting together these government documents that he got uh he claimed that he had like all this stuff and and and, and part of it in that book too it, it, when you read it is like uh, paula harris is completely giving into it She's basically saying mm-hmm. oh you're you're completely right, Clifford. I totally believe you in all in all this stuff and she's it's also like saying' it's like, "Oh well, yeah, I know that, oh well, yeah, I know that, but um I think the death of his son heavily affected him, and it, it this isn't something that we talked about earlier, but uh in nineteen ninety five his son um he had talked to him before he his son was going to go out on his motorcycle. Uh, he said that uh, there were problems with his brakes, but uh, he he wasn't, you know, he felt fine riding it, and uh, he ended up getting into a car accident and getting killed, and he talks about how there's a cover-up in it, how it was actually a woman, and how he believes this woman was connected to the military, trying to get him to shut up about some of the stuff and like it, it kind of spirals in, in do you feel that like way? that's like
4: a breaking point where some people and maybe even he believes what he was saying yeah it, let, let, suspension of disbelief here let's say that it isn't true Right. <laughs> it, it really isn't but maybe that he truly believed that the things he was saying was right, right. like coping mechanisms they're
5: they're hard <laughs> though they man there are so many different ways and, and and mechanisms that people use to cope with anything
4: so why do people like Grant Cameron and stuff like this that you see in all Greer why do they latch on to him in stories like this and just give him this place is it because he can better them you know financially is it because they believe him actually
5: oh content doesn't write itself Brent <laughs> I also think too that uh, Clifford Stone in a way kind of lives in this obscure space even after The uh, disclosure, you know, press conference thing, uh, there is a a part of him that is still obscure that while people do, you know, talk about uh, him from time to time and and stuff like that, he's he's still relatively obscure. Like, you know, even like. Uh, Randy Kramer, to in a certain extent, is uh, obscure next to someone like Corey Good, who is just out there in that mainstream. And there's always going to be people that uh, you know offer them th- that space. And uh, I- in terms of belief,
4: the goods are out there milking it for everything they can get. And I think that's the the difference. Is I don't feel like he was doing that.
5: Right. Exactly. I don't. I don't think Clifford was doing that at all. I think he just a guy telling his stories
4: and when he died they didn't go and he was off by the military so that's good too
5: right uh you know you know they <laughs> saved that for <laughs> someone like john mack who like was abs- it's absolutely it's dumb it's dumb john yeah. mack was not killed by any military it, it was a drunk driver Right and even his family, after it had happened, had forgiven that drunk driver and didn't even want the charges pressed against them, so like, you know, stop with the conspiracy crap
4: uh, and, and but it, conspiracies are so sexy, and oh so yeah, and,
5: oh, kind of like know. the the one with uh Carla Turner, where they said that uh her uh advanced cancer was you know uh given to her by the government. no, no, right. it wasn't right.
3: I feel like the kid at the lunch table that again, finally got to sit there and everyone's talking about like this other party they went <laughs> to and I have no fucking idea who was at that party. Like, you guys are just rattling off names and I'm like, oh yeah, Carla, uh-huh, yep. I, I, um, so um, Nation if you feel the same, if you feel that way, um, you need to read more, apparently. Uh, you uh, in don't, the, in the you UF really don't. We sector. did the
5: reading for you <laughs> so that you didn't have to. Well, th- that probably
3: puts the ball on the tee to ask the nation what they think. Nation, if you would like to tell us what you think about Clifford Stone, if you'd like to tell us what you think about Greer, because he came up a lot or anything else as it relates to UFOs and crashed UFOs and disclosure, just hop on Facebook, you know, the government's mm-hmm. listening device, and search Hysteria Nation. That's our Facebook discussion group where you can get your name added to a list.
5: No, actually, it's not a list. you are be getting a visit from, like, some dudes in black suits, or maybe they got blue suits, but they're wearing sunglasses, <laughs> and they're going to say, shut the hell up.
4: Really nice. Uh, lipstick. Yeah. pale skin, nice oh, lipstick. That's absolutely. The point.
3: And let's let's be clear. Let's be clear. Uh, it doesn't have to be
5: dude. No, that's true. Uh, they, there are now they women do in black. Women in black. Thank you, Nick Redfern, for clearing that up. Mm-hmm. I like to think
4: they're just androgynous, so we weren't sure in the first yeah,
5: place. Yeah, that's that's also fair.
4: That's <laughs> wigs point. aren't cheap. Just like these stories don't write themselves, and wigs aren't cheap. Those are two things you can take to the grave. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'd also love to hear why you guys are having on there. Had you heard of Clifford Stone? If you hadn't heard of Clifford Stone, do you like these more? I'm not going to say obscure. This one definitely isn't obscure, but if you liked it, I would love to do more of these ones that maybe haven't been done to death, like Roswell and some of the things we do, because uh, I know people ask for those. But if there are other names in the Clifford Stone vein... Let us know. You can also let us know on our regular Facebook page, facebook.com slash hysteria51pod. You can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash hysteria51. You get up all night's mad blurry hysterias. You can listen to John Rapp. You can listen to all sorts of crazy stuff voicemail if you want to listen to uh, yourself maybe on the show 773-669-7277 again 773-669-7277 and we got a whole episode of voicemails coming up here soon forget any of this hysteria51.com but the thing to not forget is how to find rob rob you're all over the place you got like 19 shows you're bringing back our strange guys tell everyone what you got going on where they can find you and uh, all that jazz
5: so yeah i've got like three podcasts that i'm actively involved in uh our strange skies i'm working on stuff it's taken me forever to do it mostly because uh my job is very time consuming and secondly because of the other projects that i'm working on so i have a dungeons and dragons podcast it's called rolling through the realms i'm the Dungeon Master for that one. Uh, That comes out every other Tuesday. We actually just dropped a new episode, uh, so go check that out. And if you want to hear me play a George Nori-like character uh, in another uh, tabletop role-playing game, uh, check out the Order of Podcasters. It's very much like uh, if uh, Supernatural, uh, the folks that were involved in that had day jobs. That's, uh, Ah! That's basically what it is.
4: I want to hear you modulate your voice. So you're doing an art bell. Like, oh
5: kind of man, that's what I'm ready for. Oh man. Uh, it, it, like the voice that I use is pretty dang close. It's very dynamic. Uh-huh.
4: Uh, now, does it take place in the high plains desert? No, oh, no, it's close. <laughs> it's, it, it
5: takes place in Texas. So not oh, far you're, off.
4: You're, yeah. We'll, we'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
5: but if you want to follow me anywhere, uh I am on Twitter at your UFO guy spelled Y-E-R UFO guy. That's the best place to figure out where the hell here, I am, what I'm doing.
4: Here. That's been Clifford Stone, Clifford, the big red stone. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, he's a trip. Go watch him. It's, it's tough sometimes uh, just because he talks real slow. He never really uh, he he rambles yes and he cries a lot. If
5: you, so it's an interesting. If this episode was rambly for you, this is we did it in the light uh, in the way that Clifford Stone <laughs> would do it, which is just to ramble off a bunch of stuff. <laughs>
4: yeah oh, well, hey so what happened there <laughs> bah, bah, bah. you didn't answer my question yeah. though. Bib, 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 bib. all right so we kind of got it out. i'm just gonna skip and go to the next one that's kind of how they deal with interviews with him. yes exactly all right so that's been our thoughts on crash retrieval clifford stone and corona our own personal alien with that said i've been brent
5: i've been rob and
3: i've been john
4: he's been conspiracy bot.
2: stay woke meet sex
0: Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy bot that's my favorite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to
1: Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward.